Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. I want to begin with God's Word, and if you have your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. And I want to ask my beautiful wife, Mariana, to read it for us. Hebrews chapter 3, and I think we're reading from the version here. There we go, Mariana. Here's the microphone. I'll hold this for you. I think we... Go on. Right, there we go. Oh, morning, brothers and sisters. It's lovely to be with your family this morning in this place. And let's open with God's word, Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose body fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So far the reading. Thank you so much, Mariana. 
I discovered when I came to Central many years ago, I was newly married and it was easy to be married. Uh, it was wonderful, my eyes were still twinkling and then I discovered with time there are a few challenges that I didn't quite realize when I got married. Uh, for one thing, we both change and children come along and there's many different circumstances in life that one goes through. And not only in marriage is it easy to start, but becoming a Christian is wonderful. When you discover that grace is a free gift and that we receive God's favor and his love, we are forgiven of all of our sins because of what Jesus has done on the cross. We go, thank you, Lord, and we take hold of that grace and we receive it so gratefully and we begin the Christian walk, sometimes with as much enthusiasm as newlyweds. And we uh, see what God has done for us and we say, thank you, Lord. And we go on with him. And then we might even get baptized, as you'll see people getting bathed in public with their clothes on. And this water feature here that's bubbling to keep you awake. Uh, But as it goes along, so it's relatively easy to get baptized. It's a big step of faith. But in the beginning, when you're enthusiastic, it's great to, to, to step out for the Lord and say, I can do this. But then as the years and the, the decades go by, to keep going is another question. And to persevere is the great challenge. And here in this passage, uh, we deal with what the writer of Hebrews starts off by saying, Therefore, you who share in the heavenly dwelling, consider Jesus. And that's what I want us to look at today, is to consider Jesus today and to see what he has done. You see, for those of us who have been Christians for a while, we know it's not so easy to endure. It's not so easy to keep going and putting one foot in front of another, like those comrades marathon runners are doing right now as we speak. Sometimes there is the spiritual warfare that takes place, and the evil one would take us out, He would not only seek to tempt us, and if that doesn't work, he'll discourage us. He'll pull us away if he can. And there is a great battle, and there are many casualties in this battle. And yielding to those temptations can cause us to fall and stumble in many different ways. Others don't necessarily get tempted, but they slowly grow colder and colder, and they drift away. I don't know if you noticed that after covid that there was a change. It was almost as if the faithful became more faithful. And those that were growing cold grew cold and became like icebergs. And nothing that you could say to them seemed to warm up their hearts again to grasp the goodness of Christ. And others seemed to do well for a while, but then they lose their first love, as the book of Revelation speaks of the church of Ephesus. And again, we have to come back and say, how, Lord? How do we persevere? How do we keep going? And not let the comments that we hear, perhaps, uh, wound us. And we don't hold on to unforgiveness. And that bitterness becomes a root that even defiles others around us. How do we keep going and keep our eyes on Jesus? Fix our eyes on him. Consider him. Because, as this passage teaches us, perseverance then is the true test of a Christian. When I left this church 
28 years ago, I think one of the last messages I preached was to fix your eyes on Jesus. And as I was thinking about it, preparing that, I, that came to remembrance this morning. Because again, this is what the Lord has led me to share with you today again. Because Hebrews chapter 3 is an exhortation to all of us to motivate us through powerful examples, both positive and negative, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to consider him, to think about him, to make our every thought focused on our God who has called us to live in this world, but not to be of this world. And so the author presents Christ himself as the ultimate positive example for us. We are to look at Jesus, look at how he lived his life and died for us, and not lose heart, not give up in this race, not quit before the finish line, but to keep going. And so as we look at this, we'll see how this, the writer of Hebrews ex, uh, exposes Psalm 95 and digs into it for us. And this whole of Hebrews 3 teaches us faithfulness and how we can remain faithful if we will have a healthy focus on Jesus. As we look to him and we see the dangers of the negativity of sinfulness and unbelief in our own hearts, and we see the great need for fellowship and encouraging one another in the body of Christ here. And so I want to look at this passage together and see three things this morning. Firstly, are you truly a Christian? Is the question we need to ask ourselves, examine our hearts today. Secondly, uh, beware of true and false assurance, that we can have an assurance that might be false. And thirdly, we're going to look at how do we take on the faithfulness that this passage calls us to. So let's dig into the passage this morning together and ask ourselves that first question. Are you truly a Christian? Are you truly a Christian? You see, here in verse 1, we are told that we are sharers in the heavenly calling. And in verse 14, we are told that we have come to share in Christ how, if we hold firmly Till the end, the confidence we had at first. So how should we interpret these conditional statements that are given here? Verses 6 and 14 in particular are the focus of this passage. The author here addresses uh, corporately Christians like us. And he says, we are his house in verse 6. And in verse 14, we have come to Christ. And in this context, it tells us that we have changed from our former state of not knowing God to now to know Him. We're in a new state of uh, relating to a living God. But in the light of that, as a group of Christ followers, what does this passage tell us? Well, it says, if point A is true, then if that uh, point A is true, if point B is true. And that little uh, qualification is spelled out twice in this, this chapter for us. For instance, it says, if we are Christ's house, uh, we are Christ's house if and provided that we hold on to Christ Jesus. And it goes on in verse 14, we are sharers with Christ if we hold firmly to the end. Now, is it only in the book of Hebrews that these sort of if uh, statements are made that are conditional on another statement? Well, no. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 says, You, however, 
are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Romans 11 verse 22 says, Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you provided. Notice the word there. Provided that you continue in his kindness. Colossians 1 and 22 and 23 say, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if if you continue in your faith established and firm not move from the hope held out in the gospel and so we see in these verses and many others this tension that's inherent in these conditional constructions that from a human perspective We are not to look at the status of another one, but we are, as the scriptures teach us, to examine ourselves. As we come even to the Lord's Supper next week, we examine ourselves before we eat. And you and every human being have limitations. We don't know how others are doing, but we do need to watch our own souls. We do need to look at ourselves. And so with this limit on human perspective, We need to examine ourselves as 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5 says, whether you are in the faith. And that's the challenge of this passage is to look at ourselves. Because if we want to know for certain, if we want assurance of faith, we cannot give an unqualified assurance if we are drifting away. If we are skipping church, not just once, not just twice, but it's now become a habit where we occasionally pop in and we become that twice a year Christian, you know, Eastern Christmas type of thing. And we drift along. And so the warning of Hebrews is come back to the Lord Jesus. Don't drift along. Now, of course, uh, this passage reminds us that perseverance does not gain us salvation, but it demonstrates a reality that true salvation happened. And if the end comes and a person is not in a relationship with Christ, it means that that person had never really become one of Christ's companions. And so the question we need to ask ourselves firstly is, am I really a Christian? Am I really a Christian? Is that something I have settled and I'm walking with him by his grace day by day? Well, It goes on in this passage to say, well, beware of true and false assurances. There is a true assurance, but there is also false assurances out there. That's why we need to have biblical theology. We need to have biblical theology which provides a rich spectrum of truths about our humanity and who we are, and also about our relationship with God. Just like the truth that Jesus is 100% God. He is fully God. The deity of Christ is sure. But it is just as true that he is also 100% human. We can't say, well, Jesus is my buddy and forget that he is also the Lord and creator of everything out there. And that equal balance is what is needed. And so biblical theology is so important. And one of the reasons why I am the principal of Baptist Theological College in Randburg is because of this need to teach God's word to God's people. 
People say, well, why do we need a theological college? Well, I had a military background. The first time I lived in Pretoria was when I was in the military. And I realized that the military is made up of many different divisions, many parts. But there is usually one part, and that's the special forces. And in any war, the special forces are the edge of the spear. They are the ones that go into the battle first. And they are the ones that are in on the front of the firing line, in a sense. They're the ones right there in the thick of things. And that's what we are training. We are training all of God's people, but specifically those who are the special forces that are going to be the future pastors and uh, missionaries and those that are serving out there uh, really on the front line of this great spiritual battle that we sang about in the first hymn, that onward Christian soldiers, if we're all soldiers in the battle, some of us are in the supply line, some of us are in the infantry, some of us are right on the edge of the spear. We're right there where the evil one, if he can take down one of us, strikes the, the flock and the sheep are scattered and we need to remember that we have to come back to God's word. We need to train God's people in the true truths of his word in these days. And that's why the systematic, exegetical study of the Bible is so important. And we need to keep that truth balanced. And that's what we're looking at here. Yes, in the area of assurance, we can be sure. Jesus has saved me and he will keep me to the end. But on the other hand, I need to walk with him and talk with him in a relationship. If I don't have the relationship, then he's going to say to me, but I never knew you. And that's the danger. And so we've got to keep that balance in this process. You see, this passage highlights how we can give some Christians a false assurance in relation to salvation. And that's why the balance is so crucial here. Some people are living blatantly sinful lifestyles that disqualify them. And they say, well, I, I made a promise. I put my hand up in a church service or I prayed a prayer and yet they continue. I remember one of the saddest cases I ever dealt with was a man who eventually became a door steward in the church and he was shaking hands and he was on the evangelism team. He could tell you about Jesus, but he was living a double life. Alcohol had a hold on him, and then when he began to plunder a widow's livelihood, we had to discipline him as a church. And he said, no, I'll do it my way. And a year to the day that the church voted to discipline him, he was involved in a car accident where his head was severed from his body. And it was as if God had said, I've given you 12 months to the day. And there was a sense in which he had tried to deceive us. And for many years, we didn't even know about what was going on. And it was only his wife and children that really saw what he was like. But that's the deception. We can't fool God. And we often can't fool those closest to us. So we need to examine ourselves here. Some people understand the grace of God as a free gift in Christ. And it is true. But they then think, well, I can just live as I like in the light of that. They say, well, I've got an inside track on this. I know my theology. But they don't live that relationship out. That's why Romans chapter 6 and verses 1 to 4 reminds us that our relationship with Christ involves a reckoning of ourselves as dead to sin, denying sin's mastery over the mortal body, 
That's why grace then provides a means for freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. And so the author of Hebrews speaks to us and says, be careful of drifting away. Be careful of letting your hearts become calloused to sin. And thinking, well, it's just a little thing. Why? That's just my nature. No, Christ can change everything in our lives if we will bring our lives to him and our sinful nature to him. And so we must not overemphasize Romans 10 and say, well, I've confessed Jesus with my lips and believed on him in my heart, so I'm going to heaven. Yes, that is important to do. But it is more than that. It is trusting in Jesus in a day-by-day relationship. That's why when Jesus warned us in Matthew 7, some people will say, Lord, Lord, and he will say to them, but I never knew you. Do you know Jesus? Really know him in a day-by-day relationship? You see, if I said I was married to Mariana but didn't talk to her and didn't live with her day in and day out and lived somewhere else, then you could question whether I'm married. And so we must be careful of giving false assurances. We must be careful of turning our backs on God, in a sense, relationally, even though we might theologically have all the right terms on our lips. And since that has happened, we need to say, hey, I need to turn back to God today. I need to turn to him and depend on him. And so beware of false and true assurances. And we need to find a true assurance That we find in perseverance. So what must we do? Well, thirdly, this passage says, take on faithfulness. We need to take on faithfulness day by day. We need to live uh, as people who keep running, as those comrades runners are doing right now. They are putting one foot in front of another. And that's difficult in our day and age. We love sound bites. We love TikTok and Facebook and uh, Instagram. And it's this, this, it's chip, chip. But how much of it is a day-by-day relationship? We need to live in obedience to God with often the mundane things over a long period of time. And that one book is called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Following Jesus. And so faithfulness flows then from a clear And healthy view of Jesus. Where is your mind's eye fixed? Is it on the worries of this world that are choking you? Is it fixed on the next problem that you've got to solve tomorrow, Monday morning, when it walks into your office? Or is it fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith? The one who will lead you to solve those things that could trouble you if you will turn them over to him in prayer. You see, this unflagging Christ focus is what we are called to, where we consider him in every way. How do you do this, you might say? Well, if we're going to take on faithfulness, we need to keep the Son of God as our focus. How do we do that? Well, we take up the Word of God. We read it day by day. One of the ways you can check yourself is how much of this are you reading? How much of it are you digesting and processing and working through? If you're saying, oh, you know, I, I, I want to know more. Well, I can even offer you that as the principal of the college. I can say you, we've got a certificate of Christian theology or a certificate of ministry. If you're a worship team or a Sunday school teacher, we can equip you. It's a one-year course with 10 subjects or you can break it up over 10 years if you wanted to. 
But that's there to equip you. Or if God is calling you to go on into the battle, into the, the thick of it, then consider doing the, the degree programs and going further with that. But study God's word for every Christian. It's not just for the, the super saints among us to read your Bible and pray every day, but to read your Bible. And to make it part of your life and take your instructions. When I was in the military, we had a, a brigadier who used to say, have you read your Bible today and received the orders for the day? In a sense, that's where you hear from God. If you talk to him in prayer, that's you speaking to him. God speaks to you through his word. But you do need to open it. You do need to read it in substantial portions. And a challenge to you is to read the whole Bible in a year. That just takes four chapters a day. Four chapters a day will get you through the whole Bible. And there are many different reading plans out there and ways to do that. But not only if you're going to take on faithfulness by focusing on God through his word, but you needed to cultivate the intimacy. If I'm not developing my relationship with my wife, I'm in danger in my marriage. And in the same way, if God is the God who created marriage and created relationships, I need to cultivate a deep, intimate relationship with him. And we need to realize that we live in an age of hurriedness. And we need to turn back to God and turn from neglecting him. It was Gordon MacDonald that said, if we neglect the inner life, we risk a sinkhole type of collapse. When hardship comes, when difficulties come, we take our eyes off Jesus and we look at the storm and we sink. And so we need to cry out to him moment by moment and day by day. And so that's why we come to him in prayer. We come to his word and we look to him. And as we end of this message then, I want to remind you to come to Jesus and follow him closely to persevere. I'm always struck by the last book that Paul wrote in the New Testament, which is, seems to be Second Timothy. And in Second Timothy, Paul doesn't brag about how many people he has led to Christ. He doesn't tell you how many churches he's planted. He doesn't tell you how many people responded at the last uh, campaign that he did. What does Paul say to us in Second Timothy 4 and verse 7? He says, I have fought the good fight. It's a war. I have finished the course. I've run the race. And I have kept the faith. Can you say that? Can you say that I am putting one foot in front of another, running the comrades of life and keeping going? Or are you drifting from God, negligent in your study, maybe busy with the things of God, but not with God, not having a deep and intimate relationship with him? So look to Jesus today. Look to Christ and cry out to him. And have a, a, a biblical FOMO, a fear of missing out, a fear of missing out on heaven. Have a genuine fear of, oh Lord, help me not to be with one of those that you ever say to me, I never knew you. But know Jesus today. Take hold of him by faith. Trust him and turn your life over to him. And he will make a way. You say, well, how? Well, we often sing that song, He will make a way when there seems to be no way. He will make a way. Fix your eyes on Jesus today. Get to know him better. Turn to him. And today, if you need to speak to me or one of the leaders in the church, you're most welcome to do that. 
But get to know him because perseverance is the true test of a Christian. Not for you and I to look at others, but for you and I to look at our own hearts. Am I persevering? Am I keeping going with all of the things of my life by God's grace? Let us pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one that created us and you know us intimately, but you have become like us, becoming human like us, and you understand the pressures of this life, and you were tempted in every way like we are, and yet you were without sin. And now you call us to trust you, and to know that as you died for our sins, so you rose again from the dead, and that power that raised you can raise us from our sinful nature. Set us free from those habits that we cannot break on our own. And you, Lord Jesus, can deliver us and you are able to keep us from falling. And one day to present us before the glorious presence of the Father without spot or blemish and then forever. But now, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, help us to depend on you. For some of us to cry out to you, forgive me my drifting. Forgive me my coldness of heart. Forgive me, Lord, if I've not even known you. Today I cry out to you, save me, Lord Jesus. But now that you hear my prayer, help me to keep going with you. And as we see the baptismal candidates, Lord, help us to be warmed again in our faith. And help us to trust you and to persevere in this journey with you. Because that perseverance is the true test of us being your followers. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, meet with us in a powerful way in this service to the glory of your matchless name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.